at first it was really disheartening, you know, it was like, I don't, I was, you know, I just felt, I felt this disconnect. I didn't understand. I'm like, what am I doing wrong here? What can I do to change this? And then I realized, well, this isn't a failure. I can, I can use this, you know, there's all these eyeballs looking at my work and responding to my work. And I might just have to reframe the way I'm looking and thinking about how I can use this opportunity. My dear friend Bridget Lyons is a media strategist and PR specialist, but back in 2013, she wrote a blog post about, well, an unrelated topic. Now, this was back before blogging always had to be strategic content marketing. And so when Bridget had something to get off her chest, she wrote it down and published it. This blog post started to make the rounds. It even ended up on Reddit and drove crazy amounts of traffic to her website. For more than two years, Bridget's website traffic was dominated by people coming to read this off-topic blog post. Now, in Google Analytics, this looked great. But for Bridget's business, well, it really had no bearing whatsoever. You're listening to What Works, the show that brings you candid conversations with small business owners who explain exactly what's working in an area of their business. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. Now, Bridget might have seen the spike in traffic as an opportunity to go rogue and develop a whole new line of business. After all, the numbers don't lie, right? Thousands of people were clamoring to read this post. But not every viral sensation is a business opportunity waiting to happen. Luckily, Bridget stayed the course and has an incredibly successful PR firm today. Of course, sometimes traffic tells a different story. Sometimes an unexpected viral hit can turn into an unexpected product strategy. This month, we're exploring the ways we engage with numbers as small business owners. Often, when we get clear about the numbers, our next steps are much easier to figure out. Now, traffic can be a tricky number to parse, but when paired with other information and matched with curiosity, we can make better decisions and follow the best opportunities. My guest today is Jennifer Johansson, a mixed media artist living and working in Carbondale, Illinois. Jennifer studied art and education in college, going on to teach high school art and art history for 15 years. About nine years ago, she was able to scale back her teaching to focus more on her art. In an effort to spool up her art business, Jen started sharing her work on Pinterest. And one day, she noticed a particular pin was sending an outsized amount of traffic to her website. Not only that, it was generating comments and emails from interested people. But they weren't so much interested in buying her artwork as they were in learning how to create the art they saw on Pinterest. Jennifer spotted the opportunity, which was distinctly different than Bridget's, and started to take action. In this conversation, Jennifer and I talk about the pin that went viral, the decision to build an online course about her unique style of art, and the nitty-gritty of how she created the course. We also chat about how her business has evolved as a result of pursuing this line of business. Now, have you changed course in your business because you got real with the numbers? Have you discovered a new opportunity right under your nose when you examined your traffic, profit margin, or conversion rate? We want to hear about it. Share your story on Instagram and tag me at Tara underscore McMullen and use the hashtag explore what works. Now let's find out what works for Jennifer Johansson. Jennifer Johansson, welcome to what works. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Absolutely. Okay. So maybe this question is pretty obvious, um, but I want to start at the beginning here. So why did you start using Pinterest to promote your art and how'd you do it at the beginning? I don't know. I mean, I was probably an early adopter of Pinterest and I started to notice that, you know, people were starting to pin their own work back in the day. And, and it really started seriously for me with Pinterest, my love affair with Pinterest, when I actually took your pal Megan Almond's Pinterest mm. class back in 2014 on Creative Live. And, um, which is a great class. My gosh, I'm, it was the great $29 I spent a long time ago. But, you know, she kind of walked you through how she used her blog and Pinterest to, you know, her blog content to, to bring traffic to her website. And after taking that class, I started implementing her techniques. And so I started blogging pretty regularly, like maybe once a week and posting that that content to Pinterest. And it wasn't like an overnight thing at all, but pretty, um, you know, after some time, I realized that I was getting a lot of traffic to my website from those pins, from the work that I was pinning from my blog. And like very quickly, it was like, you know, thousands of people a week and 60% of my, all my traffic was coming coming for Pinterest. So like, I kind of knew I was onto something. Wow. Okay. So um, I want to get some of the details on this before we go into kind of what happened next. Right. Um, right. What were what did those images look like that you were pitting? Were they um, sort of those stylized Pinterest images that you see? Or were they more just photographs of your work? Tell me what they looked like. They were, you know, long images, you know, like Pinterest sized images of my work. Um, and the thing that really seemed to be the most popular was my my ballpoint pen sketchbook drawings like anything in a sketchbook I think it's less like less intimidating because it's not like a finished work it's just a sketchbook drawing I don't know but those were the things that seemed to be um, most popular and those were mostly what I was pinning so I wasn't doing a lot of the like here's the title of the of the post at the top of the image and my website on the bottom I didn't do really any of that it was just more um, nice images of my work. Got it. In, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just say it in long form, you know, and like the, you know, the long tail kind of image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how long did it take you? You mentioned, you know, it wasn't an overnight thing. How long did it take you to actually start to see that traffic from Pinterest really add up on your website? You know, I know I took that class in 2014 and I think I did use I did some of it for a time, but I didn't really get kind of more serious about it till maybe about 2016. And then when I really started to pin regularly, I used like the Tailwind app to schedule pins. So I had stuff going out on a regular basis. Um, so I would say like the end of 2016, I, I started to really be serious about it. And then like in the winter of 2017 is when I got my first like really viral pin. So with some consistency, it didn't take long, but I think it's also like Pinterest knows when you're, when you pin good content, like they kind of flag you as like, you're a good content creator. So they, they show your work to more people. And I think because I had been consistently pinning for a long time, you know, that helped as well. Got it. And what was your goal? What, like, you know, I think a lot of times right. with social media, we go there because we think we should, or we go there because we think we have to. Um, it sounds like you had a little bit more of a strategy behind that, behind your your 
your plan here. So what was the ultimate goal that you were trying to achieve by using Pinterest consistently? It was really just to bring that traffic to my website. And then from there, either get them to buy something or which ultimately I wanted, you know, it's always the artist's dream to sell original work. But um, then I, you know, I started thinking, well, it's, they're not going to buy anything. It's also great to get them on my mailing list so that I can pitch them again later. And so, you know, so Pinterest became part of that strategy to just even get, get people that seem interested in my work to, to um, add, add themselves to my mailing list so I can talk to them more, warm them up. Makes sense. All right. Let's talk about what happened when you had a pin go like legitimately viral. Um, tell us right. what the pin was and then what happened next. It was um, a pin. It was like from, I think it was called by the post was like 2016 success, a um, injecting color into my sketch or something, something to that effect. And it was, you know, I, I, I've been a ballpoint pen artist for a long time and, um, I, but I'd always use black pen and I started using different colored pens. And, um, so I did a post about how I started using these, you know, different colors in my work and those images, I guess, just people really responded to. So, this one particular pin was um, repinned over like 50,000 times. And I, you know, I first noticed it in my stats on Pinterest, but then I just started getting all this traffic to my, to my blog and all these emails all the time about this work. And, oh my gosh, I love this work. It wasn't, I want to buy this work because I had stuff just like that for sale, like original drawings in my web shop. But um, it was, how do you make this? And how do you make this over and over again? And it was really flattering, but also uh, there's a little bit of me that's like, I don't know if I want to share those secrets. I'm not sure if that's really what I want to do. Yeah, I think that's really yeah. understandable. Um, let's yeah. let's pause there for a moment because, you know, the reason I asked you what your, your goal was, was kind of like to draw this baseline of like, here's what I'm trying to achieve. And then you have this pin that goes viral. You get all this traffic. And that goal doesn't actually come to fruition. You assume like if A, then B, right? So right, how, exactly. Yeah. So how did that make you feel when you had this amazing success on Pinterest and yet you didn't quite, you didn't hit your goal or you didn't achieve that, that end goal of getting people to buy the original artwork um, behind that pin? At first it was really disheartening. You know, it was like, well, I don't, I was, you know, I just felt, I felt this disconnect. I didn't understand. I'm like, what am I doing wrong here? Um, what can I do to change this? And then I realized, well, this isn't a failure. I can, I can use this, you know, there's all these eyeballs looking at my work and responding to my work. And so, you know, at first it was really disheartening, but then I realized, well, this is an opportunity and I might just have to reframe the way I'm looking and thinking about how I can use this opportunity. I love that. Okay, so let's talk about that. <laughs> I guess that's why we're here, right? Um, right, you had the, right? You had this realization around what what the numbers, what the engagement, what the email responses were telling you, uh, and you decided to take uh, what was probably a, to you a surprising step at the time, not something that you had necessarily in your plan, and that was to create an online course. So, what right. led you to that decision to create an online course based on the success of your 
your Pinterest strategy? Well, you know, I seriously would get an email like almost every day from my website saying, how do you do this? Can you please show me how to do this? And, you know, I was an art teacher for 15 years. And so I know how to, I know how to teach art. You know, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do, but I thought, you know what, I can, I can do this and I can, this is, this is something that's going to be, this is going to be good for my business. And so, um, what I first did before, because, you know, it takes a while to like film a class and figure it all out. You know, I wasn't, I had never really done a lot of video. So I, I really just pitched them, you know, to my, I sent them to my mailing list. And what I did was I made like a, you know, a video where I, I, I just recorded my entire drawing process from start to finish um, in like hyperlapse so that it was a real short video so that people could at least see what I was doing and how it worked. And so that was my lead magnet for my time. And I said, well, I'm not going to give away all my secrets, at least not right now, but I'm going to um, give you this, this little glimpse into my practice. Um, if you sign up for my mailing list. And, you know, I think when I started doing that, I probably had, um, I don't know, maybe three or 4,000, I mean, three or 400 people on my mailing list. And within a couple months span, I think I had 2000 people on my mailing oh, list. Wow. Yeah. So, and it was all from this one blog post too, because I put at the end of the blog post, well, here, if you're really interested in this work, then here's what you do. You come and, you know, add your, add yourself to my mailing list and then you get access to this video. So then I'm like, I got 2000 eyeballs that are interested in my work. I better do something. So <laughs> that's what I okay. did. Yeah. Okay. So can I pause you there? Cause I just, I have a nitty gritty yeah. question about this, this yes. lead magnet, because I know so many artists, whether they're teaching art or even, or just doing art and trying to sell their original artwork, they get so hung up on this idea of an opt-in incentive or a lead magnet, or what do I give for free so that people, you know, give me their their mailing list. And I have lots of thoughts on that, but I'm really curious right. how you positioned this video. Do you remember what the messaging was there? Um, because I think, you know, a lot of times people think it has to be a checklist or it has to be a how to, and it sounds like this was uh, sort of that, but maybe just a lot more straightforward. Can, can you tell us how you, how you messaged it, how you sort of promoted it as your lead magnet? I, you know, I said something like, I'm not going to give all, all my secrets away, <laughs> but here is, I'm, I'll show you how I made this small drawing from start to finish. And so, I mean, I think, I think I did it in like my, my living room. I think I said, and I did definitely did not have the right, like, um, tripod set up. I, you know, Jerry rigged something in my living room and like sat and watched TV and, and did this little drawing and recorded it on my iPhone. I mean, it was really something simple. And then I used, you know, iMovie to to speed it up and you know and clean it up a little bit and just put some music on behind it. So it was probably like, I don't know, maybe a five minute video. And that was it. I mean, that was absolutely it. And then I just put it up on my Vimeo and then added it to my website. And that was it. Awesome. So and I, I just I just said, you know, here, because sometimes I think, well, you know, as artists, we're visual people. So we want to see how something happens, something, you know, how how that process works. And that's that was it. Yeah. I love how straightforward it is. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, because we just overthink these things so much. And I love how much you did not overthink this. <laughs> no, I probably did before I actually put okay, it up there. Fair. But yeah, yeah, I probably did. But you know, it was really easy. And I don't even I don't necessarily even do that anymore. I actually will sometimes um, sometimes I'll, um, I use a lead magnet, but I don't even use one anymore. Because I'd rather have people just want to 
you know, hear from me, yeah. just to hear from me. So, but it did work. It definitely worked. That's awesome. <laughs> We'll find out exactly how Jennifer created her online art course in just a minute. But first, let's hear from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses like yours that bring people together. You started your small business with an idea and it's grown and grown. And now that you've built programs, events, online courses, or even a community, you realize that this growth has gotten, well, a little out of hand. Your work and your customers are spread out over a bunch of different tools and platforms. Your content lives in a few different places. Your community hangs out somewhere else. Your products have grown up on yet another platform and your payments, well, they're all over the place. Starting a mighty network can change all that. Mighty Networks makes it easy to bring your content, products, community, events, and payment processing all together. We use Mighty Networks to power the What Works Network. We share exclusive content, interact with members using questions and polls, host events like our upcoming virtual conference, and accept membership fees. Mighty Networks has made our whole business tidier. Start growing your business all in one place by going to MightyNetworks.com. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. What Works is also brought to you by Bench. All this month, we're talking about the numbers here at What Works. And when it comes to running your business by the numbers, you can't make a decision or spot a hidden opportunity unless you know what's actually going on. Now, it's easy to focus on sales or expenses and miss the smaller stories that hide away in your business's numbers. And that's where strong bookkeeping and a personal business finance team can make all the difference. Bench makes it easy to find the hidden opportunities in your business's financial numbers. Not only do they do your bookkeeping for you in their easy to use software, they run valuable reports and help you understand what's really going on. Plus, you get access to your personal bookkeeping team whenever you have a question. If you're ready to stop stressing about knowing your numbers, it's time to get Bench. Even better, What Works listeners get 20% off their first six months of bookkeeping, and you can try it out free of charge before you commit. To get started, go to explorewhatworks.com slash bench. That's explorewhatworks.com slash bench. Okay, so once you got that lead magnet up, you grew your list by what, uh, four or five, six fold? Um, yeah. What was the next step after that? Can you walk us through the process of actually deciding to create or moving forward with creating an online course and how you did it? Yeah. So after like my, my friends convinced me I had to do this and I could do this, I, I sat down and I thought about, okay, so first thing I'm like, I got to figure out how I do this. Now I have a really lovely studio space in my basement and that I could set up like a recording little studio, but I didn't have any of the stuff besides my iPhone. But I, I knew that a lot of other artists were using their iPhone to record videos. So um, I bought like a overhead tripod stand so I could record from overhead. I happened to have some studio lights that actually from my work at the public library that I took home. And then I kind of wrote myself a little course outline and um, started, re started recording video and with just a really cheap little lavalier mic that I hooked into my iPhone and, and, and that was it. And I just started recording these videos and very quickly, like a little, you know, a, a class came about and I was able to kind of segment it into little sec 
little segments and then write blog posts to go with it. But then I'm like, well, how do I host this and where do I host it? And, you know, there's a lot of options for that. And I started doing some research and I came across um, this woman named Kirsten Martin, who was teaching people how to make um, e-courses on their Squarespace website. And that's what I have. I have a Squarespace website. And she she found, and she kind of developed a, a way so you could host it right on your own website. So then you don't have to put it on, um, you know, one of the other teaching platforms. You know, it's all, you're hosting it on your website and you're, you're getting all the money. <laughs> um, so I took this class. It was a great class. And she really walked you through the whole process to make it all happen, automate it all. And then I started working on it. And it took, I mean, it took like a huge chunk of my 2017, you know, from like probably March until October, that was what I was working on almost every day, making the videos and then editing the videos and then writing the posts to go with it. And then, you know, doing the photography to go with it. And then eventually, you know, writing the the sales page and the intro videos and all that good stuff. So it took me, you know, a good, oh God, I feel like, you know, five months to make it all work. But in the end, I had this like four hour class that I hosted on my website and I was ready to pitch in like October of 2017. That's awesome. Did you ever worry that you were taking too long? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. But short answer. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But I'm like a one woman show and I work you know, this is my part-time job. I also work part-time at a public library. Um, so like this was, you know, I, I had to, you had to use the time I had, but the whole time I'm still getting more people on my mailing list. And I was st- every month and it is, I only have time to really do it every month. I was still writing to my, to my uh, mailing list and telling them this class is coming and this is what I'm working on. And is there anything you'd like me to cover in this class? So yeah, that definitely was a, was a worry of mine, but it ended up not being a problem. That's awesome to yeah. hear. I'm, I'm glad it worked yeah. out. Because um, I know so many people worry about that sort of thing, especially in the wake of a viral success like right. you have. You feel like if you don't take advantage of it right now, it, the opportunity is going away. Um, and I think that, it, you know, this just proves that that is, in fact, not the case. Right. Um, so when you first started working on the class, what was your vision for it? Like, what did you think that you were creating or what was your goal in creating it from sort of a, an instructional standpoint? And then how did that vision for the class evolve over the six months of actually bringing it to fruition? Yeah. So I, I thought I'm just going to do like, basically, I'm going to show you how I do this one abstract drawing with one ballpoint pen. And, um, and that was the real kind of focus of it. And I also wanted to explain a little bit about, you know, ballpoint pens and how they work and how to get a ballpoint pen to work for you and drawing and um, the best ones after my research. So I did a whole thing about, you know, the, the best ballpoint pens for, for drawing. And yeah, so the course kind of just kind of shaped itself as I recorded it. You know, it was just like, I just walked through, it's kind of like when I was teaching, I just walked through each step and talked as I did it. And as I walked my way through the whole process of kind of designing this composition and then making the finished piece and then how to tell when it's finished, because that's something that abstract artists always think about. How do I know this thing is finished? It just kind of formed itself. And, but by the time I'd finished it, I realized, oop, there's another class in here. There's more and I know Mm -hmm. people are going to want more. So that's what I did. 
Gotcha. So I know you developed a second class mm-hmm. uh, and I want to get there in a m- no, let's, you know what? Let's go ahead and just go there. So <laughs> okay. once you finished the first class, how long did it take you to start working on the second class? I took a, I took a break because, well, uh, it was like, so it was October and that's like, and it gets into holiday time and that's when things get real busy retail wise. So selling all my other, um, my other art goodies. So I took a break for a while, but then when, um, 2018 rolled around, that was my goal. Um, January, because people wanted to know, like, well, how do you use more than one color? Because I really just used one color. And immediately people were like, I want more, I want more, especially my real hardcore people. And um, so it took a long time again, because (laughs) so between recording that first class and my second class, I got a new iPhone and I I upgraded. So I thought this is going to be even better. You know, I had an iPhone eight plus now and it's the the video I bought it because it's the video on it is pretty darn fantastic. And, but I found that it was like almost too smart for itself. It it Mm. kept, it kept, um, taking things out of focus as I moved my hand and it was a real struggle. So I, I would record like whole sections of video and not be able to use them because they just didn't look right. And there was just too much out of focus and in focus. So like, again, took me till like I started and I mean, again, it wasn't like every day, but I started thinking and working towards this next class in January and it didn't come out until oh, October. So <laughs> It was, it was a struggle and it was really frustrating, but I was like, I got to do this. I know this is going to sell. So I stuck with it. I did a bunch more research. I I had to use, I almost was looking to get just buy a dedicated camera. I didn't have to do that, but I I used a different app. I changed things up, some up, some things up a little bit and I made it work. Wow. What about from an instructional design perspective? How did the second class differ from the first class? Did you learn anything or did you decide you wanted to do anything differently in terms of how you actually structured the class? It's pretty much the same. There's like, like several other, I want to say there's like six or seven lessons, but this one was actually, it was a little different because, um, in the first course, it was more just like, how do you use a ballpoint and make it look the way you want it to look? And here's one drawing that I did. And this one, I gave a whole bunch of different ideas. And I also structured it more around like color. So mine was more, was more about, because one thing that I think a lot of novice artists don't know is, or don't understand is how important color is and how understanding mm-hmm. color and the color wheel is. So mine was more about, um, I did a little bit more teaching about how to use color and how to combine colors um, to, to add some sophistication to your work. So that was like, so that was a little different. And so I really was giving like several smaller, I wasn't showing you all sorts of different finished projects. So I was showing you, here's something you can do with ballpoint. And here's another thing you can do with ballpoint. And how about try this? So it was a little different, but still kind of the same. Got it. Okay. Awesome. That's, mm-hmm. that's great to hear. Yeah. Um, what are you doing right now to actually promote and sell the courses that you now have? Yeah. So um, I'm still using Pinterest and using my blog that still uh, brings a ton of traffic to my website. Um, so I still am using, I'm, I'm doing more, more pin, more, um, blogs about my work today and what I'm doing. And actually now I'm just started to do a little, I'm working on a series of work by students of mine who have, you know, so I can share the work that they're making. 
um, after they've taken my class and what, uh, what people have done once they've learned kind of my techniques and made them their own. So um, that kind of stuff is super popular. So I still use Pinterest. I still use, um, I still um, use my mailing list. And I find that my mailing list now has become more and more valuable. Even if, you know, there's people probably that have been in my mailing list since 2017 who liked my work and probably came when they saw my viral pin, but they didn't buy the course then. So almost every time I put any email out to my email list, I get a few sales of my ballpoint pen courses to people on that list. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. And it, I don't even have to mention the class. It's just like people are like, oh, hi, there you are. I remember you. I'll buy your class now. It's so that's great. Yeah, that's such a valuable lesson, I think, for people. Like it doesn't it have to be about pitching all the time, but it is about showing up and it is about making yourself visible and reminding people that you exist. <laughs> exactly. And that was like, you know, I I was hesitant to do it. And now there's a part of me where I'd, I'd like to maybe even access that mailing list more, send them out more stuff, but um, I have to have a little more time to do it. <laughs> totally. How, how often are you mailing now? I do. I do once a month. I do oh, okay. at, at least once a month. Okay. Awesome. Let's talk about the rest of your business for a minute, right. because right. where we kind of started was you started using Pinterest and you started blogging more to sell original art. And it turned into being able to use these tools to sell courses. But you mentioned to me that 2018 was your best year yet. And not only did you sell the courses that you had, you started to see those original artwork sales pick up as well. Can right. you talk about how... Um, kind of how that's evolved. Like when did you start seeing the original artwork pick up and what do you attribute that to? It's honestly just been just recently now that my stuff is the artworks started to sell. I, I think it's just, I've started to really cultivate this, this tribe of people that want stuff that I make because they like me and they like my stuff. And um, I, I think that, I mean, I think that's, that's part of it. And maybe now, I don't know. I'm just, I'm more confident in the work I'm making. And now the, so the work is selling, I'm not really sure exactly why that is, but it's, it's really, it's really exciting. Cause that's where I wanted it to go. You know, and, and when I started this whole business, that's what I did. I sold original pieces and I sold them in art fairs. And when that stopped being fun and when that stopped, I stopped selling originals. I was selling more prints and other things with my, my work on them. It just wasn't, it was, it was disheartening, but I needed, I knew I needed to change so do I know why I'm selling original pieces? Not necessarily, but I know some of it is because like I've, I've developed this tribe of people and they know how this work is made um, and they want to support me. So they're buying the originals and that's pretty exciting. That's awesome. What do you think is next for your business? You've been on this wild ride of developing these courses, now seeing your original artwork sales start to take off. Do you have a vision for where you're headed next? Um, and if not, what are you looking toward to make those decisions? Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I've got a couple ideas. One of them is that I know that um, using my designs on saleable items really, you know, again, that was hesitant to do that at first as a fine artist in quotation marks, you know, um, but that stuff really works. So like, um, I, I want to expand my retail line some more. I have a successful line of postcards. I got involved in the postcards to voters movement, uh, oh, cool. where, yeah, where you send where volunteers all over the country send handwritten, um, handwritten 
postcards to um, people um, in support of Democratic candidates running for election all over the country. And I started, I made like uh, two different or actually three different design postcard designs that sell terribly well on Etsy. And so that was a fun little cool thing. And last year before the midterms, that was like, I mean, I was, that was crazy. That's another reason I did so well in 2018. But I also find that my, um, my work, like my, I have a whole line of tea towels that feature my illustrations that are, so they're different than my ballpoint pen work, but that stuff really sells well too. So, and I've got a line of cards, so I'm kind of working to expand my retail line a little bit more and pitch that because that's been on the back burner for a while. Um, I'd like to have, um, do more original work and I'd like to, you know, show it more than just online. I'd love to maybe do some gallery shows. I'm actually doing, I have a show that starts in about a week with some friends of ours at a local, just a local coffee shop. And I'm happy to and excited to have some new frameable work up there. That's going to be up for sale. So I'd like to, I'd like to do both things. I'd like to kind of expand my retail line and I'd also like to make and sell more original work. I love that. Not sure how that's going to happen yet, but. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like you're following the numbers again on this. You followed up with the right. courses and now you're seeing what's, what's selling and what, what people are really interested in buying and looking to do more of that. It makes total sense to me. Right. Right. And you know, sometimes that feels, I think artists feel like that's disingenuous, but I'm ha- I'm excited to sell things that I'm making that people want my stuff and maybe it's not exactly in the format I thought it was going to be in, but they want my stuff. And that is a thrilling thing. That is a perfect place to leave things. Jennifer Johansson, thank you so much for sharing your story of paying attention to what was working, paying attention to the numbers and making some really, really smart decisions in the wake of that. Yeah. Thank you. This has been great. Find out more about Jennifer Johansson, her art and the Jen and Inc. online course at jenniferjohansson.com. If you love learning the ins and outs of how other people run their businesses so that you can make better decisions about how you run yours, you belong inside the What Works Network. Every day, we talk candidly about the nitty-gritty details of marketing, sales, systems, pricing, copywriting, social media, and more. Plus, we host monthly events like our Flash Masterminds and Community Roundtables, so you can talk with people who get it about the business topics that matter the most to you. We'll be opening the What Works Network to new members soon. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash network to sign up to be notified when we do. This episode was produced by Sean McMullen. It was edited by Marty Seafelt. Special thanks to Bridget Lyons for letting me retell her story of viral fame. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 200 more candid conversations with small business owners at explorewhatworks.com.